This is The Rant presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this lovely Monday afternoon out here in New York. Uh, we have a lot to go over from the weekend. Uh, a lot of good New York sports outcomes, whether it be Knicks, Nets, Mets, and the Yankees. All had pretty good weekends. Uh, also, a lot of other outcomes. Just got a, had to mention the UFC 261 from Saturday night. Unbelievable car, main card. Uh, every fight was really top notch. Whether it was you know just one round or went a little bit longer, but uh, you know you had the Anthony Smith kick. You had uh, the guy destroy his leg in the following fight. That was really crazy to see. I mean, that was obviously similar to the uh, Anderson Silva moment, which is an instant classic in UFC. Uh, it was a little bit too much for me. I could tell you, uh, I don't, I didn't really enjoy seeing that. That's too much. But uh, I'll tell you what I did enjoy seeing: Jorge Masvidal getting his ass beat, getting knocked out. That picture of his sweat flying everywhere uh, is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, I saw it in the moment when he got smacked in the face. I saw the sweat flying for that one instant, and that picture is just crazy. A phenomenal uh, moment to have been captured. Uh, and you know, he was Masvidal was smiling right before then. Uh, so you know, I got very excited when Usman knocked him out. Why are you smiling in the ring, dude? Don't step in the ring if you're, if you're going to smile. You don't even you know what you're getting yourself into, uh, you know, in Masvidal's situation. But please don't smile in the ring, especially when you're about to get your ass beat. Um, Ocho Cinco dropped 50k on you, and you're just smiling and getting your ass beat and still getting paid. So, uh, wasn't a big fan of that from Masvidal. Not a big fan uh, of all these showboaters in UFC, especially after the Conor McGregor situation. Uh, you know, from his fight against Poirier and him getting his ass beat. So I uh, just had to mention that from the weekend. I'm sure that there's some other things that, uh, you know, are worthwhile mentioning. Uh, feel free to drop them in the comments if you'd like. Uh, you know, I'm trying to grow the fan interaction on this. Um, additionally, going to be begin uh, live streaming myself during sporting events. So tonight, Yankees and Knicks, I'm going to be live streaming. You can catch that on both Instagram Live and uh, Twitch. My Twitch is at the Strive Sports, the same as our Instagram. And before I get to my rant on New York sports for the day, just wanted to remind everyone that you could catch this podcast on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You could access those via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports. Trying to create a provider page for the uh, for the podcast on Apple Podcasts to make it easier to access them on the link tree. Uh, let, I'll keep you guys updated on that. But uh, if you have any suggestions or want to show any love, uh, definitely feel free to leave them in the comments or in the DMs. Um, you could also, you know, get to my LinkedIn or or my email via the link tree in my bio. So feel free. Love love the fans. It's all about uh, gaining fans and uh, interacting with them. You know, that's what uh, this. That's why I'm interested in this business, and uh, honestly, you know, human interaction, that's what life is all about. So, let's get to it. Big weekend. Going to start by talking about the Knicks. They only had one game this weekend in comparison to the Nets, who had two. Uh, I believe the Knicks' last game was like uh, Wednesday. I think they had Thursday and Friday off. Uh, so, it was Knicks had a nice break. Uh, another home game against the Raptors. 
Um, again, the Knicks are playing tonight against the Phoenix Suns. We're on a nine-game winning streak now. Phoenix Suns, the number two team in the in the West. Uh, they played Brooklyn last night, which is a good sign for the Knicks in that you know maybe they're a little bit tired having to play back-to-back nights. Never really concerned for the Knicks, but uh, do I really believe that the Phoenix Suns, the number two seed in the West, are going to lose two games back to back in New York? No, I think that the winning streak is going to end tonight. Nine games. It was a good run, um, but I'll give you the reason why I do think the Knicks are going to win, and it's because they're twenty-one and ten at home. They're very good at defending home court, and they know that uh, they're going to have a very difficult schedule coming up after they uh, their first. Uh, game of the road trip. They play the Houston Rockets, and then after that it gets difficult playing the likes of the Memphis Grizzlies, Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns, Clippers, Lakers, and then even they go back home, they have to play the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Celtics, all four are playoff caliber teams. So uh, the season is tough end for the Knicks. you got to take advantage of these home games that you have to, you know, to finish off the season. Uh, so it would be huge if we could get this win against the, the Suns tonight. But uh, for now, let me focus in on what happened in this game against Toronto. So uh, Fred Van Vliet plays this time around. He did not play in the, in the last game uh, in which we met. Uh, but overall, it's the same stuff that's been happening to the Knicks throughout this uh, winning streak. Playing good defense. We held them to only 103 points. You know, if we're scoring 120, yeah, obviously we'd prefer to hold them to under 100 points. Uh, we already, we average uh, giving up over 100 points a game. It's still one of the tops in the league, if not the tops. Uh, so 103 points, can't complain about giving that up. Uh, they are a talented team. You know, they have Siakam, Anunobi, Lowry, Van Vliet, and then now, now since they're Back to full strength. They got Trent coming off the bench. Uh, Malachi Flynn didn't have a good game like he uh, did in that first matchup. But he's a good young player. But it's been the same thing. The defense showing up. Every single possession. Battling it out. You know, you're not going to play if you don't play defense. Which is why the same uh, teams, the same players have been playing throughout this winning streak. Uh, Tempido's really figured out who the bet, who the guys are to play on this team. And... Uh, Julius Randle showing out, obviously, uh, 31 points, 10 boards. Didn't even need to facilitate because he was efficient in, in this game. 10 of 17, 5 of 7 from the from three. Uh, additionally, it's you know RJ has been better than he has the entire season. I promise you that. I mean, it's not even in terms of uh, just how many points he scored. It's also in terms of his efficiency. I mean, eight of six, 25 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3. I mean, come on now. He's averaging in his last 10 games 18.8 points, 47.5 three-point shooting, 45.8 rounded to 46% field goal percentage. Uh, so he's averaging in his last 10, he's averaging more points than he does for the season on a higher field goal percentage with a higher three-point percentage. Uh, his free throw percentage is also better. Um, so it, it just goes to show how efficient RJ has been recently. Even if he's not, you know, even if the assists are down slightly and the rebounds are down slightly in the last 10, he's still been a more efficient player. He's been shooting the ball more efficiently. Uh, and that's what is most important to our team right now in terms of RJ. It's not him being the facilitator. Again, he only averages like three assists a game. Still good, though, for a, for a 20-year-old player uh, who apparently can only go left and can't shoot. Um, but, you know, 47.5% from three, 46% from the field, averaging basically 19 points a game, uh, two and a half assists and five rebounds. I mean, 
he, not enough can, positive things can be said about R.J. Barrett and uh, his improvement, and clearly his work ethic is there. I mean, just today, Emmanuel quickly was uh, on an Instagram video was saying what the deal is with the Knicks, you know, what the Knicks are about, and it, it's not about individual accolades. It is about getting better every day as a team, as an individual. Um, and, you know, if you get better every day as an individual, that will help the team. That should help the team positively, especially with the with the style of basketball they play. It's not. It's really not about the individual. Yes, Julius Randle is by far the best player on the team. Uh, doesn't matter, though. He, he. That's why you can tell the difference from one year to the next. It's not even his... Uh, his field improvement in field goal percentage and efficiency. It's his ability to pass the ball, to facilitate for others. Uh, it's really been a revelation for him this year, uh, averaging around six assists a game. Uh, but, you know, last game was all about his scoring. If he can show up with with an efficient game, then uh, he doesn't need to pass that much. So that's the great thing about Randall. He knows that if he doesn't have it, he's going to dish it out and, and get those assists. And uh, that's when he gets those triple doubles, you know, in the games where he's struggling a little bit more. Uh, that's what I've noticed. Uh, you know, he scores a little, the games he gets triple doubles, he scores a little bit less, but he facilitates more and, and is able to bring himself to the triple double. Uh, you know, last game, 31 points, 10 to 17 from the field. Obviously shot over 50% from both the field and three. Only had one assist. I'm not going to blame him for, for only having one assist. You know, he was, he was feeling it. He knows what he's doing. I have full faith in Julius Randle, by the way. Um, and his decision-making on the court. Uh, that's something that I, I really can't say for most Knicks uh, that I've had the experience of watching. Not even Carmelo Anthony. Did not have uh, the faith in Carmelo Anthony that I do in Julius Randle, I can tell you that. Maybe in clutch time, I'll tell you that. But throughout the entirety of the game, the ball in Julius Randle's hands, I have more faith in him making the right decision. Because half the time, even when Melo's hitting the shot, I'd say it's the wrong decision. I'm just like, bad shot. Like, what are you doing, man? I didn't enjoy watching that at all. Uh, and it's the complete opposite for Randall. Even on those post-up opportunities, he makes it look better. And he knows if the double's coming, he's passing that out. And uh, obviously the Knicks shooting a lot better from three this year, which is why they uh, are where they are right now. Uh, he trusts his teammates, and his teammates have been coming through for him as of late, hitting those shots. I mean, uh, look at Derrick Rose, how he's been playing recently. In this game, he had 19 points, 7 of 10 from the field. I mean, that's truly incredible. Uh, quickly, you know, only two, only a 2 of 5, two, and both of those were from 3, 2 of 4 from 3, 6 points. But if you look at how those guys are playing in the last 10 games during this winning streak, uh, Derrick Rose in the last 10, 16 points, 4 assists, 2.5 rebounds on over 50% shooting, that is just incredible. That's higher uh, in terms of points on the season average-wise uh, and higher field goal percentage uh, average-wise than on the season. Uh, and when you look at quickly as well, he's averaging uh, less points in his last 10, but he's shooting 50% from three in his last 10 and 44% from the field. Uh, those stats are both higher than his averages for the full season. So again, his points are down, but he's being way more efficient, which means he's taking better shots. He realizes it's not all about him. Uh, he's not forcing the shots like he was a little bit earlier on the season and even midway uh, in, uh, of the season. Uh, you know, especially when D. Rose was out, he probably felt the need to really uh, 
step his game up a little bit, take take on a bigger role. But it's nice to see that those two have settled down and, and figured it out coming off the bench. Uh, we don't need, you know, quickly, I think, realize he doesn't need to be the guy that's taking the shots. We also have Derrick Rose. And uh, just need a shout-out Obi Toppin for his performance last game. Uh, three of four from three, nine points. Uh, that's a that's a pretty great game. But offensively, look at these stats overall. The Knicks were 56% from the field, 51.5% from three. Uh, that's truly incredible. Those are not, I don't expect that every game, uh, but I do expect that defensive intensity. We only, we held the Raptors to 103 points. They had three guys in their starting lineup, uh, you know, score over 20. Uh, they all played well though. Siakam shot a little below 50%. Anunobi shot over 50% and Van Vliet shot 50%. Uh, so again, I would like to see the Knicks play a little bit better on defense. I think that they may may have gotten a little bit lackadaisical, uh, just because um, you know they were they were playing so well offensively. You know, you play to your level of competition uh, or how well you're playing. If you're playing so well on offense, uh, then maybe you're giving up a little bit more. You know, it's not usual. You know, you score 140 points and the other team scores only 105, uh, so you're beating them by 35. That doesn't usually happen. It doesn't usually happen that you go off scoring wise and then you still hold your team to your average uh, defensively. So overall, though, great performance by the Knicks uh, in getting to nine in a row. This was definitely could have been considered a trap game. I mean, the Raptors were playing really well going into that game. I think they won like uh, they won like four in a row going into that game, uh, including winning against the Nets uh, prior to that game against the Knicks. Uh, so it was definitely a big win, much needed. As I said, the Knicks need to win every single home game that they have uh, since they're so, they've been so great at home the whole year. Take advantage of the home games that you have throughout the rest of the season because those road games are going to be really, really tough to finish the season. Uh, so can't wait for this game tonight against the Suns. Not expecting a, a win, but would be very, very pleasantly surprised if uh, the Knicks could get a win and the Suns leave New York City uh, 0-2 on their trip here. All right, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know if you tuned into my episode of the Dogmatist yesterday with my uh, guest Jacob Unger, but uh, we discussed both Sean Marks and Leon Rose and the impacts that they've had on uh, both the Knicks and the Nets. So uh, that's besides the point, though. Getting to this matchup, uh, Nets win against the Celtics on Friday night, 109-104. to 104. The Nets played without KD, obviously no James Harden. Um Definitely, there probably was some other, Tyler Johnson didn't play, uh, and honestly, it's pretty incredible that they won. You look at the box score, only one player scored 20 points for the Brooklyn Nets, but how many players scored above 10 points? Five players scored above 10 points, including two bench players. Uh, overall, the Nets uh, didn't even have that great of an offensive game, 34.5% from three, 43% from the field. Uh, but they had a good game defensively. They said they held the Celtics to 104 points, although the Celtics shot uh, better from three than the Nets did, actually, shooting 40%. But what really was the downfall for the Celtics is 69% shooting from the free throw line. They missed five free throws. Guess what those five free throws are? That is the differential in the score of the game. Obviously not asking them to hit every single free throw. The Nets also missed four, but uh, you know they actually shot... 12 more free throws than the Boston Celtics. Um, additionally, the Celtics out-rebounded them, so 
definitely could have taken, probably could have taken advantage of, uh, you know, the Nat- the Nets' lack of height and uh, depth in terms of the big man. Uh, I don't think that Claxton even played the other day also. Yeah, he did not. So they could have taken advantage of that. They didn't. Um, and they wind up losing, obviously, the or maybe not obvious to some, but the Celtics were missing. Uh, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown. Uh, so two of their, you know, two of their five starters not playing. Obviously, the Nets had the same deal. But, you know, it, it goes to show one thing. The Nets' the Nets's other guys are the real deal. You look at the Celtics' other guys and, you know, they're really, not that the Nets guys are proven, but uh, the Celtics guys are really unproven. I mean, you look at other guys. I count Marcus Smart kind of as another guy. He does a lot of different things. Uh, maybe he's a level above a role player, but, you know, he's capable of doing a lot. Um, they recently got Jabari Parker due to their lack of lack of depth. Uh, you know, Romeo Lankford now is getting minutes due to their lack of depth. Sammy Ojale, um, you know, and they re- recently acquired Evan Fournier. He's scoring two points in 22 minutes, 0-7 from the field against the Nets. Uh, that can't happen. It's really these other guys for the Celtics are not the real deal. When you look at the Nets, Joe Harris. 20 points, maybe one of the best, you know, role players in the league. 6 of 12 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. Uh, you got Jeff Green dropping 19 points on 5 of 11 shooting. DeAndre Jordan, uh, 8 points, 3 of 5. Uh, Landry Shaman, 9 points, 3 of 8. The worst, uh, the worst field goal percentage in the starting lineup for the Nets was actually Kyrie Irving, 15 points on 4 of 19 shooting. Uh, but then off the bench, you have guys like Bruce Brown, 15 points, 7 of 8. Can't believe that. That's really efficient. Uh, Blake Griffin, 13 points, 5 of 11. Uh, and then we're forgetting that they even have, that they have guys like Lualu Cabrero that didn't really have much of an impact on this game. Just two points uh, in nine minutes. Then they also have Tyler Johnson who hasn't been playing. Obviously, KD and Harden. So uh, I think that the one thing that this shows, since this was an even matchup, both teams missing guys, this showed that the Celtics' other players are not good enough to bring them anywhere. I've, uh, you know, Peyton Pritchard played well in this game, 22 points, 8 to 12. I think that he's going to be good one day. I just don't think that he's the answer right now. You look at another guy, Luke Cornett. Are you serious? They're, they have Luke Cornett. He used to be on the Knicks. How? Why are they? They're really they're they're not in a good place right now. I don't think the Celtics. I don't think that uh, Danny Ainge put them in a good position. Uh, to really be one of the top teams in the East this year, and it's showing. I mean, the Knicks are even ahead of the Celtics this year. That's how crazy it is. No, and I'll tell you, not one person would have predicted that going into the season. The Knicks being ahead of the Celtics. So, uh, you know, good win for the Nets uh, against the Celtics. Obviously, that was more of a commentary on the Celtics than the Nets. But uh, after the Nets. Uh, you know, beat the Celtics in that game. Uh, coming off of that loss against the Raptors, they again, as I've mentioned before, they beat the Phoenix Suns at home. Uh, they beat them by nine. Um, the stats uh, show a solid defensive effort from the Nets in terms of guarding the three-point line. The Suns shot 35% from three. Um that's, you know, obviously a, a solid percentage if you want to talk about the individual player, but teams nowadays should be shooting above that, uh, especially if you're the number two seed in the West and you have guys like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, you know, Jay Crowder. McCall Bridge is struggling a little bit from three this year, but he's that type of guy, Cam Johnson. Uh, so 
told him that 35% from three is pretty impressive, especially when you're shooting yourself 46.5% from three and 52 and basically 53% from the field. Uh, so this was, I'd say that this was a more impressive win by the Nets, uh, especially you know due to the fact that Kevin Durant was out there. The Suns are the two seed in the West right now, playing some of their best ball that they have in the past uh, decade or even two. Um, so uh, you know, just a really nice win for the Nets. Uh, they outscore the Phoenix Suns in the second half by a total of 11 points. Uh, that would be, you know, basically the the turnaround of the game. They win the game by nine. They outscore them by eleven, uh, meaning that they got outscored by Phoenix by two in the first half. Uh, so the Nets huge second half. Obviously, Kevin Durant had an amazing performance: thirty-three points, twelve of twenty-one from the field, two of three from three, and he came off the bench. Uh, and unfortunately for me, I chose Kyrie on the wrong night. If you tune into riding the BK train, I had him over 42 and a half points, rebounds and assists on fr- for Friday evening's matchup against the Celtics. Uh, didn't get it there, but, uh, against the Suns, 34 points, 12 assists, six rebounds. He would have hit it on that. So, uh, it's a little bit unfortunate for me. I had to point that out, but, uh, overall only two players on the Nets team had uh, minus plus minus in this game those being Bruce Brown minus 10 uh, and James minus four I actually don't know who this is Mike James um, number 55 a point guard uh, I think that he's only played in the past two games for the Nets I believe so those were the only two players with uh, minuses in this game Tyler Johnson returned uh, you know for that game also Eight points. He was plus twelve. Three of five from the field uh, goes to show that he will. That I guarantee you that he will be uh, an important part of the bench mob. Uh, he will have big. He will have big moments. Uh, he'll be there in big moments. Uh, he's a good player. He's, he was on the Heat. I think that that's a guy that wants to prove himself, uh, especially with the fact that he used to be on the Heat. They went to the finals last year without him. And uh, now he's on the Nets with this super team. He wants to, you know, make a name for himself out there, really. Uh, but, you know, look overall, it was a great offensive performance. I mean, how many guys scored in double digits? One, two, three, four, five. Again, if you're getting five guys scoring in double digits, that's, you know, very nice. Uh, both KD and Kyrie scored over 30 points. Uh I'm not – I actually did not tune into this game, so I'm unaware – of uh, if they were playing, you know, a lot of the game together or not. Um, I'm sure that they were. Kevin Durant only had 28 minutes. Uh, Kyrie Irving had 35. Uh, it's pretty crazy to see, you know, KD comes back straight to 28 minutes, but the Lakers with AD for some reason are like, oh, we have to limit him to 15 minutes. I don't really understand it, but whatever. Overall, great weekend for the Nets, obviously, beating the Celtics and then the Suns. Two playoff teams, 100%. Uh, I appreciate the Nets last night for battling against the Suns, uh, you know, taking out a little bit of their energy maybe. Uh, hopefully tonight the Suns are a little more winded uh, and, you know, going and going up against the Knicks now and their intensity will uh, be a little bit too much for the Suns because it's different intensities when you're going up against the Nets and the Knicks. It's 100%. You know, the Nets... You have, you have to be intensified on the defensive end uh, due to their offensive firepower. Where for the Knicks, uh, you're going to be maybe lagging on the defensive end because of how much you have to work on the offensive end uh, against the Knicks defense. So that's just some thoughts uh, 
for the game tonight. Hopefully the Knicks extend this winning streak to 10, but a uh, great weekend for New York basketball. Nets go 2-0, and Knicks go 1-0, and extend their streak to nine games. Let's get it to 10, though. Continuing this rant on with uh, baseball and uh, the Yankees-Mets outcomes from the weekend. Uh, overall, good weekend for New York baseball as well. Not as good as for basketball. Uh, the Mets take the series from the Washington Nationals 2-3, to three, and the Yankees take the series on the road against the Cleveland Indians 3-8. Three eight- Three games out of four. Uh, Going to start by talking about the Yankees because they're my team. I don't know if you realize. I talk about what I like first and then uh, the other team after. So uh, I'm just going to go overall for this series. Uh, runners of scoring position, still a major concern. The Yankees overall for the weekend went 4 of 20 with runners of scoring position. They also left 33 runners in base. And I'll tell you this, a couple things actually. Number one, there was one game in which they actually did not get one runner in scoring position. Uh, they didn't even give you, uh, you know, it usually shows on the box score 0 for 3, 0 for 5, 0 for 1, whatever it is. Uh, there was no 0 for 0. There was nothing. They didn't show anything. They just showed the runners they left on base. That means they didn't get one runner, you know, in scoring position the entirety of the game. I believe it was the, it was the, I'll give it. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I believe it was the Shane Bieber against Garrett Cole matchup uh, in which Garrett Cole, uh, you know, dominated. Obviously, Shane Bieber did also. Um, so they didn't even get a runner scoring position in that game. Uh, but overall, 4 of 20, that's that's not good. Leaving 33 runners on bases in four games, that's god-awful. Um, additionally, since Friday night, literally since Friday night, they're Every single run they've scored since Friday night has been via the home run. That's seven straight home runs, counting for all the runs uh, that the Yankees have scored since Friday night. I believe Friday night they might have scored, they might have hit like four home runs. And then Saturday, I think they hit two. And then uh, Sunday, I think they hit one home run. Uh, it was something along those lines. Uh, you know, it was 4-2-1. and one. I forget which order it was in. Point is, is that it's the same issues that I'm still talking about. Uh, you know, they they can only score runs via the home run. It's been the same. It's it's not even like it's just this season. I'm saying that this is the issue from years in the past and in the playoffs. That's why I'm so concerned. Yes, I agree. You got to you got to take the win any way that you could get it at this point, especially with the way the Yankees are struggling. But it's still a cause for concern. You know, they're winning the games. I'll take it. But that doesn't mean I'm jumping back on the bandwagon saying that they're going to be uh, a real World Series uh, contender this year. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking the opposite based on the way they're playing. I mean, you look at their lineup. For some reason, they're still going Brett Gardner in the leadoff spot. Doesn't make any sense. I, you, I feel like you rarely see a team pinch hit. For the leadoff hitter. That has to rarely happen. It happens for the Yankees because their leadoff hitters aren't getting the job done unless they put LeMayu in there. Uh, you know, Brett Gardner last night gets pinch hit for Clint Frazier um, later on in the game. Brett Gardner now hitting 194. Frazier down to 146. Uh, Stannon hitting second. at He's hitting 186. Judge 246. That's not getting the job done. Odor had a good weekend. I'll give him that. He's hitting 175, though. Uh, you know, he had a good weekend, and he had some clutch. It's uh, some big moments. Uh, Torres, 213. Uh, Ford, 133. Sanchez, 196. Taupman, 214. I mean, the best uh, average in the lineup last night was 
or I guess after the conclusion of the game, is Gio Urshela at 250. Um, you know, that's just not going to get the job done. Uh, obviously, Sat LeMahieu, uh for that game, everyone needs a day off here and there. I, I don't blame Boone for that decision making, but like, come on, dude, it, it, we got to stop with this with this uh, garbage in in the leadoff spot. Yes, I agree. Brett Gardner, three ten on base percentage. That's on base percentage is over a hundred points higher than his average, but one ninety four average and his potential uh, is lower than that of Hicks. I'm just not gonna accept that. I, you know, I will. I never will. I don't like seeing Gardner in in the leadoff spot. I don't like seeing Gardner really in the lineup at all. And uh, especially to see, you know, later on in the game, what do we what do we usually do if we start Frazier and we're winning? We we uh, put someone else in the field like Brett Gardner to take over for him. Now we're putting Brett Gardner in the field, the better fielder to start apparently, uh, and apparently the better hitter, and then we're pinch hitting for him later to put in the worst fielder in the field. I don't know. It seems like the Yankees are mishkabobbled. Uh, they're, they're doing like anti-Yankee things uh, in terms of just overthinking, uh, trying to assemble this lineup and trying to get guys going. It just doesn't give me a Yankee. This team it really isn't giving me a Yankees vibe. Yankees vibe is, is positive vibes and, uh, not even more than positive vibes, just, you know, actually performing, uh, like having confidence in yourself. It seems like these guys kind of have a lack of confidence a, a little bit. Uh, they don't seem confident they, when they get in the box and they honestly don't see so, seem so confident when they get in the field and, uh, they don't seem like uh, to even care that much that they're struggling to start this year. Maybe they know that it's so early, but uh, there, so, there are many times where you struggle, you know, early on in the season and you can never recover. Um, and I'd say the Yankees should take this seriously because their division is a lot better than we thought we, they were going to be, especially if the Red Sox are good. If the Red Sox are good, then you also need to deal with them along with the Blue Jays and the Rays. Uh, yes, the Rays did lose some players. Uh, in the offseason. Still a good organization, though. I'm sure that they'll find someone else in the middle of the season to help them out as well. They re-signed Chris Archer. Uh, the Blue Jays obviously got George Springer. They're still loaded with young talent in terms of Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and Cavin uh, Biggio. Uh, so the Yankees really got to turn this around ASAP. Uh, the one thing I will give them credit for is uh, their pitching. We got two Quality starts over the weekend. That was very nice. One of them was from Domingo Herman. Gave us six innings pitched. Uh, only two earned runs, six Ks. His ERA is still way higher than uh, any of us would like it to be at. Uh, and then the other quality start was obviously Garrett Cole. Uh, he went seven innings pitched, uh, only giving up one lone run. So, you know, overall, good weekend for the Yankees. They take three out of four. They do what they should against the Cleveland Indians. Um, obviously would have started to get into panic mode for a lot of fans. If we lost this series, like three games to one or got swept in this series, that would have been panic mode, panic mode moment for the Yankees. But fortunately they take three out of three out of four. Uh, now we got a nice series going up against Baltimore and then we got Detroit after that. We got to take advantage of these teams. I mean, right now, Baltimore has the same record as us at nine and 12, uh, that just can't be. Baltimore is the one team in the division that really is guaranteed to not be good. 
I believe last time we played them, we swept them. I'm blanking. Uh, maybe we, maybe it was two games to one, but I think we sl- we swept them. So we got to continue the trend. We also rake at Camden uh, Camden Yards, obviously. Glaber Torres has his history there, you know, hitting 13 home runs in one season or whatever the hell it was. But, uh, you know, Yankees hopefully trending in the right direction, still seeing issues with that offense. Uh, As I said, they've hit all of their runs since Friday night have been via the home run. That's seven straight home runs accounting for all of their runs. Uh, So that's a cause for concern. But uh, the day before that, they had that good game where they, you know, hit with runners of scoring position and they got base hits uh, in, you know, getting that win. Another good thing to see, to have seen about the Yankees from over the weekend was that uh, they came back from down a bunch of times, uh, something that they really failed to do uh, before this series. They actually didn't do it before the series, I believe. They did not come back from being down 3-0 or three runs in any game this season up until this series against the Indians. So, uh, you know, maybe this will be the series that that turns the tides, but, uh, you know, still a lot of improvement to show, in my opinion, for the Yankees. Um, Still just trying to hit home runs. They could be a lot more dynamic of an offense than that. So uh, that's my thought. Those are my thoughts on the Yankees from the weekend. Going to be moving on to the second fiddle team in town. I'm just messing with you guys. Uh, the New York Mets uh, take two out of three from the Washington Nationals. Um, overall, for the weekend, I think that they struggled from... Uh, I believe that they struggled from with runners of scoring position. Uh I think that I actually might have mixed up the stats overall. Um, I believe that uh, the Yankees were well worse than four of twenty from uh, with runners in scoring position, and uh, the Mets were uh, a little bit better than that uh, overall. I'm seeing from two games combined, they were four of uh, sixteen. You know that is. One fourth. That's two fifty. That's a little bit better. Obviously, there was a third game. Uh, that's the game that they lost, actually, seven to one. So it probably is even worse than that. Uh, but the one thing that you got to focus on is just the greatness of Jacob Degrom. I'm very happy that they were able to win that game that he pitched, uh, get him the necessary runs. Obviously, he also helped himself out. Uh, you know, he he drove in and he drove in a run, and he actually scored two runs. Jacob Degrom. Uh, so that means that he was on base twice. He got a hit and an RBI. I mean, that's truly incredible. Uh, you know, his average on the season right now, Jacob deGrom, is uh, 545. He went 2 of 4 in that game against the Nationals. Uh, and when you look at how he performed on the mound, nine innings pitched, only two hits allowed, 15 Ks. Uh, his ERA is 0.31 right now. I mean, that is truly incredible. I'll tell you, I didn't watch that game. Uh, I don't like tune in for the Mets when uh, Jacob DeGrom is on the hill or anything like that. I know that it's a very special day for Mets fans, DeGrom Day. Um, you know, they usually are playing at the same time as the Yankees or, or the Knicks, which makes it annoying to, to be able to watch both or all three at the same time. But honestly... Uh, the way that the Yankees are playing right now and the way that Jacob DeGrom is pitching, I might have to just tune in for every single Jacob DeGrom start for the rest of the year. That's how phenomenal he is. Um, but again, the Mets' offense still struggling. Uh, 
You know, Pete Alonso starting to turn it on a little bit. He's got his average up to 267. He's starting to turn it around. Maybe Lindor's starting to turn around. He's got himself over the Mendoza line, uh, which is 200 batting average. He's at 210 now. Um, Conforto, you know, he's he's over the Mendoza line also. He's at 214. McCann, 234. So, you know, Almora Jr., 143. So maybe the Mets are in a little bit of a better spot than the Yankees right now in terms of their hitting. Uh, it seems like the hitters are coming back to life a little bit more. Both teams had a successful week, and there's no denying that. They both won their series. But uh, in terms of the offense coming to life, uh, it seems like the Mets uh, are – are seeing a little more life out of their offense. Uh, additionally, I'm pretty sure that the Mets are like uh, top 10 in, in terms of average and on-base percentage, which obviously the Yankees are not, not anywhere close to that. They're, the Mets are ninth in batting average, fourth in on-base percentage. That's impressive. Um, so, you know, overall the Mets offense is finding its way, it seems like. I'd say that Pete Alonso and Lindor, two three-hitters, are the most important key guys there. Uh, Alonzo finding his way in 267 right now. Lindor, once he finds his way, the offense is going to be perfectly fine. I mean, J.D. Davis got his average up to 414 now. Uh, Guillermo is having a great year, hitting 333. Uh, so it's really just, you know, guys like Lindor, Conforto, uh, McCann just a little bit. Uh, you know, there's some other guys that I'm missing, but uh, overall, the pitching for the Mets, unbelievable. I mean, you know, two out of the three games in the series, they they shut them out. Obviously, DeGrom has the complete game shutout. Uh, and then Sunday night, Walker goes seven innings, uh, three hits, four Ks. That's a quality start. His ERA is also 2-1-4. And then the bullpen pitches two shutout innings. So overall... Mets pitching is phenomenal right now. That's obvious. Starting pitching, the bullpen is a little bit more of a concern. But overall, their ERA pitching-wise is sixth in the league. Their whip is sixth, and their batting average against is eighth. So uh, their pitching is dominant right now, especially their starting pitching. I mean, that's you know two out of three quality starts for the weekend when we're talking about uh, Walker and DeGrom. Uh, so if you're getting two out of three starts for the weekend or quality starts, that's Amazing, especially for where baseball is now. Uh, and then you have to use your bullpen less, which is the Mets' weakness. Uh, so that that's always a good sign as well. But just got to start hitting a little more. And don't worry, Mets fans, it'll come for you. Like uh, You guys are going to be a really good team this year. Obviously going to be uh, uh, definitely a contender to win the NL East. Uh, maybe even win the, you know, the NL pennant. But... Uh, We'll wait. We'll wait to see what happens with that. Definitely a lot more time to go. Uh, need to see how the need to see what happens with the offense because uh, I don't know if Nimmo is going to continue hitting 375. I don't know if JD Davis is going to continue doing that. Maybe Michael Conforto will re regress to what he was a couple of years ago uh, before you know he had a couple good breakout years. Uh, so you know there's there's still a lot more to see. I, I keep on saying it is too early in the season to overreact, uh, which is why I can't get too upset at, at what's happening with the Yankees right now. But uh, good weekend overall for New York sports. Uh, the Knicks get their win. The Nick, the Nets get two wins. Uh, the Yankees and the Mets win their series. So everything's great going on in New York. Good vibes outside. It's nice out. Uh, gonna enjoy Knicks against the Suns tonight. Uh, Yankees against the Orioles. Uh, Mets, I'm not sure who they're playing, but uh, going to be a good series no matter what. Uh, can't wait to see the Grom next, and I'll be back tomorrow with all of your uh, 
with a rant on all of the outcomes in New York sports. But for now, you can uh, listen to this podcast on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, and you can access those and stream them via the link tree in my Instagram bio, at These Drive Sports. Uh, if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to uh, DM me or leave them in the comments below if you're watching on Instagram. And uh, can't wait to be back with you tomorrow. And uh, peace out. Love you all.